Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mountain Man Dan Show. Here with my buddy Nick again today. Nick, how you doing? Doing pretty good. Anything exciting this week? Uh, my Model 66 came home. Uh, other than that, just being a slave to the man. Yeah, it sounds sounds about the same as me. Uh, I had a mutual agreement that I no longer wanted to work for the company that I was working for. So, currently unemployed, but I shouldn't. This time of year, I should be able to get a job in about one or two days once my tools get back over here. It won't be too bad. <clears throat> yeah, I just. I've worked for enough companies, you know, I don't, I don't work for companies that, that, uh, don't treat employees very well anymore. And this company, there's just, they didn't have anything together. Their ducks were so scattered out across all, all the way across the state. It's just, nobody knew what was going on. I finally just got fed up with it. And then <clears throat> once I started uh, voicing my displeasure, it didn't, their, uh, their liking for me went downhill from there pretty quickly. So. Yeah. That's usually how it works. It's always our fault. It's never management. Yeah, I, uh, you know, like I said, I've worked for a lot of companies that, you know, I've loved the job and they like me and everything went. And this this company, like nobody knew what was going on. I mean, I I came home for RR for a week, three weeks ago, and I never got any plane tickets. And I like, oh, I thought this was going. Oh, I thought this was going. Like nobody even knew what was going on with me going back to work. And I finally said, you know what, just send me my tools back. I'm not even coming back up there. So yeah, can't say I blame you. Yeah, it's. You know, guy gets gets guy guy gets you know. You can only take so much. I and mean, I just, like I said, this time of year, middle of the work season in Alaska, I can find another job in about fifteen minutes. So probably be better pay than what I had. So, random question for you: What is it with everybody buying three fifty seven magnums and only shooting thirty eights in them? Why wouldn't you just buy a thirty eight special revolver at that point? I th- I think a lot of people have. They like the option to shoot 357s, you know. A, a, a lot of people practice with 38 and carry 357. Or honestly, you know, like I've been kind of in the market and looking for a K frame size, uh, big, uh, a sight like a four inch K frame with adjustable sights. And it's really hard to find 38 special guns anymore with, uh, you know, that fit that configuration. And most of the 38 specials are little two inch snub nose. Or, uh, you know, even if the bigger ones are all fixed sights, and I'm not, I, I prefer to have adjustable sights on a revolver because I like the way, well, you know, shoot heavy bullets and that kind of stuff. So I prefer adjustables. You can still get a new Model 67. Smith and Wesson, that's what that is. That a five shot? That's a J frame size, isn't it? No, 67 is a K frame six shot. It's the same thing as a Model 15, but in stainless, adjustable sights. Model 67, huh? Let me pipe that into my uh, my search bar here. Yeah, I fondled one the other day. They're pretty nice. I almost bought one of those, but bought my 66 two and three quarter instead. Huh, I uh, I wasn't aware of this. I might have to buy me one of these. That's pretty nice looking. It is. It's not just a good, solid, stainless 38 special K frame. Of course, new ones are plus P rated, so they'll be plenty good for anything you can load for it. Uh, I'd rather have a blue gun, but that, the stainless isn't you know, up here. Guns rust so bad. Anyway, you got to 
be on top of them with oil to keep them from rusting. So stainless wouldn't be a bad thing. I just prefer the look of blued. That's a pretty nice looking revolver, actually. Yeah, and you know, the best thing about that revolver is it's a round butt like my 66. So you could have David Elsop make you some stags like he's making for mine. Yeah, I, uh, with how big my hands are, I've got freakishly large hands. So I, uh, I would probably use square butt conversion grip and he wouldn't, he wouldn't make anything for that. But I, there, there's lots of options out there for, for that. You know, they did make, Herod did make troopers and a square butt conversion for those. Yeah, they did. I might, I might have to look into this a little bit. I'm going to hit the save button on that link. That's interesting. Yeah, that, that'd be a good one for you. I've already <clears throat> recommended it to one of my other friends too. That's wanting an adjustable site thirty eight. Yeah, I was like, I could, I could get an old, uh, you know, I can find an old Model Ten trade in, or actually, I have a pre Model Ten uh, thirty eight special with adjustable sights, but I just, I just prefer adjustable sights, you know. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. I mean, you know, for me, I don't, I, I've got enough forty four magnums and other big, you no, know, real magnums. I wouldn't shoot a three fifty seven that much, so. Um, if I'm just going to shoot light planking loads, I've got buckets of 38 special brass. I'd rather just have the 38 special chambers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nothing wrong with that. And, it, you know, for accuracy, the, the reason I went with the 66 is I just shoot exclusively 357 Magnums. And yeah. I was initially going to buy a 586 Classic, but, you know, the new uh, K frames are beefed up a lot. So the new 66 is all take a full diet of 357s and i don't usually shoot the 125s i usually the loads i shoot the most are 158 grain soft point 357 magnums at uh 1450 feet per second that's what i always shoot everybody right. at the range knows it right yeah i um I'm, I, I just prefer big bore revolvers you know the for me the having a 38 special would just be you know going shooting with the wife and having something that she would be able to shoot all she doesn't really enjoy shooting my 44s that much which uh is understandable your wife needs a 41 magnum yeah i think she'd like a five inch gp 144 special yeah yeah you know if charter arms would get their head out of the sand and make their guns last more than five rounds you know it'd be nice to have a, a bulldog those are a good size for a 44 special yeah, but I just I don't like the idea of a gun that literally is worn out after a thousand rounds or so. I mean, they they don't last very long before they get loose. No, they don't. So, uh, Nick, what are you carrying today? My model sixty six. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I I shot it the day I bought it, and I've been in love since. Yeah, I figured that's what you were going to say. I've got a, I've just got my old Ruger lightweight Commander forty five on today. I've been. Just trying to get this flooring, we're putting flooring in the house right now. So, uh, just been inside and it's the lightest, thinnest gun I have. Uh, so it, it, it stays out of the way pretty well, but it's still Alaskan. You never know when you walk outside, the coyote will be in the yard or something, or a fox or anything. I don't really want to be in the yard. So, I always keep a gun on me. Yeah, I can't say I blame you. I mean, I have the 66 with me right now, but being at home, I have that with me and all in the same bed a loaded 51 navy with 20 grains of triple f over a 79 grain ball full cavalry loading it and see what else do i have up here i have an infield loaded i got a smith and wesson 915 loaded with corbon dpx all sorts of stuff laying around here yeah i've got the uh i've got the 1911 on my hip 
within arm's reach, I've got a 44 mag. And then leaning yeah. in the, yep, right. About yep. three steps of, about three steps away, I've got a 44 Magnum carbine. And then about three steps further on, I've got a 458 Win Mag. So I'm a, I have no shortage of firepower. If something, no, you know, if, if, you know, most people beside their bed, they have a, a 12 gauge or an AR or something. I got a 338 Winchester Magnum loaded with 250 grain ammunition. <laughs> you know, I've got. I like the idea. I've always recommended for people that aren't really gun people but still want something for home defense. I really don't think you can beat a good pump action 18 inch with a full magazine tube and eight, no, eight plus one pump action 12 gauge loaded with buckshot for general purpose home defense. That's about as good as it gets, really. I mean, the no, you you got plenty. You got plenty of horsepower there for across the room distances, uh, even down the hall distances. Um, and you know anybody can work a pump action shotgun. I don't, I don't care. Anybody should, you know, unless you got one arm. And even then, like the Mossbergs are usually smooth enough. You can even pump those one handed if you really want to. You know. Oh, absolutely. So. Yeah, I mean, anybody, almost anybody can run a pump-action shotgun. Um, there's a little bit of room for error there if you're, you know, in a heat-of-the-moment kind of deal. There's usually, it's not uncommon for people to, you know, have their sights off a little bit. So the 12-gauge the is a little more forgiving for that. Um, I typically tell people that they're not gun people. If they want something for home defense, they just need to get a double-barrel 10-gauge and load it with full nitro loads. Because that, that's a good, easy, low recoil, easy to handle gun. Yeah, I always, uh, I, I prefer, I've always been a fan of the 55 boys rifle too. Yeah, uh, we're, we're being sarcastic if you're not picking up on that. That, that, that is not a good choice. If you're a new shooter, do not go out and buy a double barrel 10 gauge with two triggers and give them both barrels because it'll probably be the last gun you ever shoot. You'll never want to shoot another one again. Yeah, you know, uh, when I was a kid, there was a uh, neighbor next door. There's a there's a big ranch farm next door, and uh, he had an old t- double barrel ten gauge sitting up there above the above the stove in the in the in the barn. And uh, oh, one year all the geese and everything are flying over, and I decided to me and my brothers were like, "Yeah, hey, you know what? That old ten gauge that'd be fun to go shoot some geese." So we dug around out there in the barn, found an old box of paper cartridges that weren't in the best of shape, you know, and dug up that old rusty twin gauge up from over the fireplace, and the stock was kind of cracked on it, and frickin' climbed up on the roof of the barn, and I must have been about eight or nine years old. I wasn't very old. And yeah, there was that thing malfunction. It set off both barrels and shot me clean off the roof of the barn. And I was standing right on the edge of it out into the hay pile, and broke the stock on the shotgun so we screwed it back together from the side that hung it back up so you couldn't see the screws i'm sure it's still sitting there just like that <laughs> that sucks <laughs> so yeah you know when it comes to home defense really anything anything bigger than a 22 or a 25 auto is is better than nothing you know i'm not really a fan of 22s for carry or home defense but there's a lot of good options out there, and there's a lot of good budget-friendly options. You know, you can go out and get a Maverick 88 pump back in 12-gauge for like 179 bucks, brand new, right off the shelf. And, you know, last time I went to Sportsman's Warehouse, they had double-op buckshot for like three bucks for a box five. I mean, you can't you can't really beat that for budget-friendly yeah. home defense. Let's talk about this whole 22 thing. I, I don't understand. 
all these people online, they keep justifying carrying a 22. And it's always like some super lightweight <clears throat> revolver or something. And you can always get a comparable gun, even if you're not going to go to something like one of the 32 Magnums, like a three, 327 Federal Magnum or a 32 H&R Mag. Even a 32 Long would be better than a 22. But you could even go to a 22 Magnum. And it would be better. You can actually get expanding bullets for it, and it's actually running fast enough to do something. What is with the whole fascination with carrying twenty twos? Like, why in the hell would you want to do that? You know, it's it's interesting to me because most of the people that I know that carry a twenty two carry a J frame twenty two. A lot of them are still a six shot, or you know, a five or a six, or usually a six shot J frame twenty two. Like you're yeah, not... the new ones are like eight shot. The uh, model forty three C is an eight shot, and then the uh, for the there's what's the twenty two mag model that's comparable to it. The three forty two or whatever, it, right. It's a seven shot, but it's yeah. still a damn twenty two. So that's that's the thing. You know, we're we're not really gaining that much. We're we're not going to any bigger of a gun by just going with a J-Frame 38 Special or even a 357. But, you know, let's just say 38 Special. You know, if you're a little recoil shy, a 38 Special out of a J-Frame doesn't recoil that bad. Especially, you know, and I'm not really... I'm not recommending carrying wad cutters, but if you have to carry a low recoil load, you know, target wad cutters uh, do a pretty good job um, on, a le- on a low recoil uh, s- side of things. And yeah, you lose three rounds, but I will take five rounds of 38 special over eight rounds of 22 long rifle any day of the week. I would take a, a two shot 38 special Derringer over a 22 revolver. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, I, I think the people that 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 carry a 22, I don't think they've ever shot anything with a 22, and uh, I would I would like to give them a you know. A, a 22 rifle and take them out hunting here in Alaska. Let's go shoot. Let's go shoot some snowshoe hares. And uh, you put you put a 22 through the rib cage on a 20 uh, on a snowshoe and see how far that sucker still runs. Then come back and tell me how how uh, great the 20 you know, how uh, efficient the 22 long rifle is as a killer. You know, and, you know. There, there's a couple guys I see online like, well, give me the facts. I got all these facts that say 22s killed this people. Like, yeah, but they never. You know, back in the olden days, it, it took people days to die. It took it. You no, know, even Abraham Lincoln didn't die right when he got shot. It was an I was overnight. Gonna say, I was going to mention him. They shot him right in the back of the head. But you know, this is this is a true story, and there are some details to it which I will leave out for the sake of his identity, which he is long past now. He's been gone for two years due to cancer, not being shot. He. uh was in downtown a friend of mine was in downtown Nashville and he was driving around in his mid eighties Toyota pickup truck. He come to a stop down towards a park, had both the windows down and two gentlemen that, uh, he had had a problem with, I guess came up. One of them had a 25 auto. The other one had a, they thought it was a Ruger Mark one twenty two pistol and they put the guns through the windows and just empty both of them into his chest. I mean, he was shot literally like, had nine rounds in them, a couple of them missed. And uh, when he did that, they tried to reach in to, you know, grab him, pull him out of the truck, and he just nailed it and drug him down the street. They let go. He hit a pole, and they fled. And uh, he got out of the truck and started walking towards the hospital, and the paramedics met him halfway. 
and uh, he went home three days later. He was fine. Um, none of them reached anything vital. Most of the 22s had stopped on top of his sternum and his ribs. Uh, one had made it through, but it didn't get very deep. I mean, sure, it can be lethal if you get right up on somebody and shoot them in a vital area and it actually penetrates. But typically, it's it's a really unreliable man stopper. And like you said, for hunting, it's about useless. I, I quit hunting squirrels with 22s a long time ago. You're better off with a 410 or a 12 gauge or a 20 gauge rather. It's, it's it just even out of a, you know, even out of a rifle, it's not that great out of a pistol. It's about useless. Yeah. You know, um, about the only real purpose I've ever used a 22 for is, uh, shooting, you know, shooting, shooting the heads off of grouse, you know, stupid chickens up here. They'll, They'll sit still long enough. You can get lined up for a headshot. A 22 works all right for that. I mean, when I used to run my trap line a lot, I had a Ruger single six and 22 mag. I used uh, for dispatching critters and traps. And that's, but, uh, you know, if you spend any amount of time shooting 22 ammo, I don't care how much you spend per box of 22 ammo, eventually you're going to have a misfire. Always. Always. It's the most unreliable ammunition on the planet, second to black powder. I have never had a misfire with good quality center fire handgun ammunition or rifle ammunition. Never. Me neither, unless it was the gun's fault. Yeah, I mean I've had some I've had some low quality ammo that got wet or this, that, or the other, but you know, good properly stored, good quality ammo I've never had an issue with. Um yeah, I just I don't I don't get the whole concept behind carrying a twenty two. If you really know you know, a lot of times in a self defense situation, you have enough time to get one shot off. And do you really want to trust that one shot long rifle? But say, you know, you got time, you get lined up, you shoot this guy right in the chest with a twenty two long rifle, and he's got his wallet in his front pocket. Now what? Yep. So, yeah, I don't really, I don't get the whole thing with the 22 long rifle. And that's kind of the, that brought me to the conclusion years ago about the whole speed of follow-up shots. I think it's important, but I think it's overstressed to a point to where it's not that important. Like, you know, a lot of people will take a 44 Magnum revolver or a 357 Magnum revolver, what have you. And they'll put specials in it, you know, low recall stuff, and they'll cite, well, it has faster follow-up shots. Well, that's great, but why? Who gives a shit? Because, you know, a forty-four Magnum loaded with 240-grain jacket at hollow points, if you do your part and put the shot somewhere vital, I highly doubt it will take more than one round to stop that fight. And everybody knows 357 Magnum and its original loading. For some reason, all the off-the-shelf loadings have been watered down. But the original old-school 1,500 feet a second, 125-grain jacketed hollow point kept the record for one-shot man stops. Yeah, you know, I just... In my opinion, when it comes to bullet size, bigger is always better. Uh, yeah, and you know, like uh, what Ashley Emerson told me when we were having a conversation about ammo, he's you know he owns Garrett cartridges. Some bullets are better killers than other bullets. That's just the yeah. way it is. And 
you know, here's the thing to remember when it comes to, you know, people saying, well, you know, shooting magnums, they recoil a lot. Recoil does not affect the draw out of the holster and first shot on target and the first hit. Recoil will only affect your follow-up shots. So, you know, for some reason, I think people get that mixed up. And if you're not making your first hit, then you have a problem with technique. It's not the gun's fault. It's you. Yeah, I've um, I've used this example a few times. You know, um, you know, up here in Alaska, we we deal with grizzly bears a lot. It's uh, you know, it, it's it's always a subject of of self defense against bears, and it, everybody knows that bears are one of the fastest land mammals on on the North American continent. You know, a grizzly bear wants to, he can cover some serious speed. Now, if you were up here in the woods. And you saw a grizzly bear minding his own business at fifty yards away. How concerned would you be about it? Uh, I'd be fairly damn concerned. Okay, but I mean, at fifty yards, you know, he's over there minding his own business. I, I probably wouldn't have my gun out of the holster. How fast can a grizzly? And this is this is this is this is a, I've, I've done the math on it a bunch of times. How long does it take a grizzly bear to cover fifty yards? Oh. 50 yards uh if it's anything like a lot of the uh dangerous game in africa i'd say well under 15 seconds three seconds wow yeah you're, you're uh, screwed. <laughs> yeah uh, a grizzly bear if he decides he can be over there minding his own business all of a sudden he decides he wants to slap you around a grizzly bear can cover 50 yards in three seconds so Let's be honest. From from the holster to first shot, how many people can get a first shot, good hit, in three seconds? Not many. Now, how many follow up shots are you going to get in that same three seconds? Even with point three seconds flitch, you know, none. So, listen, I I, I use this, I, the three second rule. Is, that's a good one. They still they say the average gun fights five five shot or. Uh, what do they say? Uh, five two feet. To three rounds. And it's yeah. two to three rounds. Yeah. Five feet, two to three rounds. Yeah. You know, but I, I use the example of a grizzly bear. You have enough time to get off one shot. It doesn't matter how many rounds your Glock 19 holds or how good the ammo is. You still only have the time to get off that one shot. And like you were saying, the recoil and stuff is not going to affect that first shot. So I want the biggest cannon I can fit on my belt in that kind of a situation. You know, and I was uh, looking through Instagram today. Clint Smith's out teaching a class somewhere, and you know he's got teaches. He owns Thunder Ranch, and he said something that kind of resonated with me. He said, you know, he's talking about people, you know, with how sometimes guns are inconvenient to carry and uncomfortable. And he said that all guns are too big when you carry them, but no bit. But when you actually fight with them, no gun is too big. Yeah, so, you know, I've uh, it is what it is. I'll tell you a story about a guy I knew. Um, a guy I've known this guy my whole life, and he was a timber faller. And uh, he had to put down a bear one time, and he uh, he bought a 44, he had a Ruger Red Hawk 44 mag, and this guy would um, actively say how, how you'll never shoot a 44 magnum in double action. Right and uh, it, 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 forty-four magnums too much recoil. That yada 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 yada. 
But in the heat of the moment, when he had a bear attack him, he emptied a double action 44 mag. It's all six shots on target before the bear got to him. And it did the same thing. It only it was only from about 20 yards away. So right. that, you know, and that was you know having to pull the gun out of a pack. So he had one hand on it, was able to empty it. When in the, in the heat of the moment, you are not going to notice the recoil. It's just like yeah. you know, heat of the moment. You know, you, you're out shooting at the range, you notice the recoil. You know, if you forget to put your earmuffs on, it's going to ring your ears. In the heat, you know, heat of the moment type thing, you don't really, you don't notice, you don't notice the uh, the muzzle blast, you don't notice the, the sound, you don't, you do not notice the recoil at all. Um, so one the, of my the, good the, friends is a uh, African hunter slash ph he's really heavy into big bore double rifles like one of his favorite you know rifles is 577 nitro express and he'll tell you you don't feel it and i'm telling you when when you're staring down you know a lion or a cape buffalo or something and something is charging you and you squeeze off two rounds out of a 577 nitro express and you don't feel it i highly doubt you're going to feel much anything else I can't, other than a six and seven hundred nitro and a six hundred overkill, I can't really think, or a four sixty Weatherby Magnum. I can't think of a lot of rifles that probably recoil as hard as a five seventy seven Nitro Express does. Yeah, like like I said, it, when, when it comes down to when, you know, when when it hits the fan, and you have time to get one shot off, do you want a forty grain hollow point twenty two long rifle, or do you want a 200 grain you know whatever whatever kind of bullet you'd you shoot you know 200 grams and that's a that's a good weight you know that you can shoot 40 you know 40 smith and wesson 10 millimeter 44 magnum 45 colt 45 acp 200 grain you know that, that's a legitimate uh 40, a different 41 now. magnum you can do a 41 magnum 200 grain you can do uh even 180 grain 357 or a 200 grain Keith and a 44 special at a thousand feet a second. I mean, you got a lot of options there or even let's be weird for a moment, a 200, a 200 grain Keith and a 45 auto rim and an old triple lock. I mean, anything. Yeah. Heat, heat of the moment. You got, you got enough time to get off one shot. Are you really confident in that one shot from a 22 long rifle versus something a little better? bigger i i'm gonna i'm gonna take the bigger gun every time and let's not forget the legal aspect of it so you know depending on your jurisdiction and the state you live in and how liberal the jury is it's going to judge you i mean you know everybody with a 22 so i'll just shoot them in the head well uh, how do you feel uh when you are going to be standing before a liberal jury that's looking for any reason and a liberal judge looking for any reason to throw you under the bus you know or the how do you think they're going to feel about you shooting a guy in the face seven times? They don't care. It's a 22. How are they going to feel about that? Rather than, you know, with a gun of adequate caliber, you know, maybe it's one or two shots, but you know, preferably a one shot stop, you know, that's, that's a lot easier to sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? Justify. Um, Yeah. You know, it looks a lot cleaner. Yeah. And legal aspect. That same, if we're going to look on the legal side, you know, up here in Alaska, I don't worry about that too much because I can just, oh, I was loaded for bear. I wasn't, oh, I, I wasn't expecting to have to shoot somebody today. I was loaded for bear. 
But down there where you guys are, yeah, there is such a thing. I, I don't, if I was in Nashville, I would not carry a 44 mag with 300 grain hard cast. No way. Because the same thing could be, you know, on the legal side, there's the same. Well, that's way oh, overkill, you know, and it went through the well, six hey, that, guys that, behind him, too. That, that presents an interesting question. If you were here in Nashville, being a native Alaskan and living in Idaho and everything, a big board guy, what would you carry? in uh suburban and uh sort of in the city of nashville exactly what i have on my hip right now a lightweight commander and 45 acp what ammo would you have in it um if i was in a if i was in a more rural area like that where uh, especially a more liberal area i would carry uh i would carry factory ammo just to reduce anything that they could use to throw the book at me um, and I would probably, my favorites in the 45 ACP are the federal, or not the federal, the uh, Remington 230 grain uh, Golden Saber Plus P's. And I really like 225 grain uh, Hornady Critical Duties. Interesting. I'm surprised you didn't say Corbon DPX or, uh, or uh, Spear Gold Dots. I like I like the Spear Gold Dots really well, but their factory ammo is just it, it's not loaded as hot as the Federal or the Remington is, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm sorry, sure. not not Federal, not Federal Hornley. Um, that that Hornley Critical Duty to uh, two twenty five plus P that is a pretty hot round. That's, that's yeah. moving right. That's that's moving out of a forty, but it's still a, it's still a factory round, and it's still technically a self defense round. Um, that is that is probably my favorite. Uh, when I was carrying 45 ACP in Idaho and Montana, I tested a bunch of it. That was the one that performed the best for me. You know, you'll be pleased to hear my Model 66. It actually has uh, Hornady Critical Defense 125 grain FTX 357 Magnums, and it's one of the few off-the-shelf loads I've found that is a true 1,500 feet a second 125 grain 357 magnum. They don't teach you on your powder with Hornady. No, Hornady uh, and my, they make some really good self-defense rounds. Um, the worst one I had when I was uh, testing 45 was the uh, Sig, the Sig V Crown. Mm. So you I'm, know, it used I'm not to be a my favorite load for my Model 10s. I used to carry nothing but uh, El Dorado Starfire 135 grain plus P hollow points probably one of the worst loads ever i only bought it because the shit sounded <laughs> cool on the box yeah you know and even if, if i go in like even up here if i go into fairbanks i will carry the 45 I mean, if i know i'm just going to be in town i'm not too worried about running into a bear or anything i carry my 1911 i carry a 45 quite a bit but i usually carry some of my my uh, hotter hand loads for it you know a 250 grain at 950 foot per second that's not a I figured. I figured being being old Congo like you, you would uh, you'd load like a you know two hundred and fifty grain hard cast flat nose bullet in your nineteen eleven over fifty grains of unique with a Magnum rifle primer in it and try to push it at three thousand feet a second like you do everything. No, I've got a I got an aluminum frame. I'm, I, I'm pretty nice to this one. Now you, you give me my 458. On the other hand, I was loading for it yesterday and chronographed my uh, 350 grain load at cooking at 2,700 foot per second. You you quite by accident made like the per perfect Cape Buffalo load. <laughs> Just so you know, <laughs> I'm 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 not getting my hopes up too much, but I'm tentatively getting prepared. I'd like to go to Kodiak this spring and shoot a big brown bear, 
And if I go, that's the gun I'm going to take. So yeah, I was, I was working up some loads for it the other day. And that was, I settled on 75 grains of IMR 4198 under a 350 grain herders uh round nose soft point bullet loaded nice. in Winchester cases. Yep, and out of my out of my Remington 700 Safari grave, they chronographed at 27. It was 27. I got the notes right over here. 2712. What's the accuracy like? Uh, I haven't shot them out past about 50 yards right now. At 50 yards is cutting clover leaves. This rifle shoots really good. I have no doubt it'll be every bit that accurate at 100. What about the recoil? You know, this rifle's uh this rifle's magnaported. It's really not that bad. It lets you know it's there, but it's uh I like shooting this way better than I like shooting my three thirty eight. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. My three thirty eight's got a considerable amount of recoil. I think it's the smaller bore diameter with all the high pressure. It's a very sharp recoil impulse. Now typically I'll shoot when I go shoot my three thirty eight Winchester Magnum, I have a Savage one sixteen Alaskan with uh, express sights on it i'll usually shoot about 150 rounds out of it in an afternoon and you know all of them full house 250 grain loads it's not too bad but you know it'll leave you a little sore i've got that uh this this 458 is really more of a it, it's a it's a hard shove it's not the sharp recoil i've got the 338 i have is a ruger it's one of the old, it's one of the first what they it was what their first all weather model. It's got that canoe paddle stock on it, and yeah, yeah. I I don't know what it is about those stocks. I don't care if you put one of those stocks on a twenty two two fifty. That thing is gonna hurt when you touch it off. Those stocks are the worst for recoil. Um, I bought that rifle as kind of when I was a kid. I had one of those same rifles in thirty out six that I carried everywhere with me. Killed a lot of game with it. So when I was moving back up here, I bought that 338. It's like, oh yeah, it's like my old one. And I hate I, I hate shooting that rifle. That thing hurts so bad. I'm a big guy. I shoot big guns all the time. Six rounds in that gun. My shoulder's bruised and I'm done. That blows. So I actually I thinking about it, I think I actually sold that rifle. I don't even think I have it anymore. That's bad when you have that many guns that you don't remember if you sold the damn thing or not. I'm oh, I don't have. I don't have that many, but I, I can't remember if I traded that one off at the last gun show or not. I'd have to go, I'd have to go look and and see if it's in the closet or not. Yeah, I'd... I know. I I took it to the last gun show with the intention of trading it off because I I hated it, but I can't remember if I actually did or not. So. Uh... You've been reloading for your 458. Um, hopefully, within the next week or so, I'm going to get a you know review and shooting videos up of the Model 66 for a page. Right. Um, I don't think I'm going to blow this one at a time like I did the Tour 65. I think this one's going to be okay. Well, we'll hope. I don't know. I don't know about with your. Have you made it past 12 rounds yet? Yeah, yeah, I've made it past 250. All right. Well, Nick, uh, we've already 35 minutes into this show, and we still have our two main topics we haven't even touched on yet. So how do you feel about going into those? Let's do it. All right. So we were talking about carry ammo and different stuff a little bit. So the first, uh, the first topic we got here is bullets design and performance. Um, and I think this goes right along with the, uh, with the scope of our show today so far, what we've talked about. 
So yeah, um, on that note, how are you enjoying uh, the little uh, care package I sent you? Uh, that's an interesting book. Um, he had some really interesting uh, bullet designs in there. That's kind of what gave me the idea. What, uh, to tell, tell the audience what you've been reading. I've been reading a book called, what is it, uh, Bullets, Guns, and Gunfights? No, it's called Guns, Bullets, and Gunfights, Lessons and Tales from a Modern-Day Gunfighter by the New York Stakeout Squad cop Jim Cirillo. Yeah, um, and he talks about some of his special special bullets in there, and it got me to thinking about some of my personal experiences with, with uh, different different. And then you know we got we kind of went off on a rabbit trail talking about the twenty two and that kind of stuff, but it kind of kind of leads up to the same alley about bullet performance because if you shoot a if you ever shot anything with a twenty two, you know back in the day we used to buy the Remington Thunderbolts because they were the cheapest stuff you could get our hands on when I was a kid. And I had a piece of 1022 barrel that I cut off on the lathe and drilled out just a little bit bigger so that a cartridge would fit in it nice and tight. And it was just a hair shorter than those Remington Thunderbolt cartridges were. And I could take a chainsaw raker gauge file and rake a file just a flat, just a little bit of a flat nose on the top. And it would make a huge difference in performance when you whack a rabbit through the rib cage with that. So, yeah. Oh uh, so, you're pretty got, much making a 22 key. Yeah, exactly. So we, uh, I thought I thought it'd be an interesting topic of, uh, topic of discussion. You know, you bring up Keith. You know, Keith. Uh, if you ever read any of his work, I actually read one of his articles, uh, the forty four mag story. I think it was a nineteen sixty seven hand loader this morning. Right. Um, and he talks about if it doesn't matter what you read of Keith, he will always say my bullets are the best I have used for for any kind of game hunting. You know, he talks about it, the, the full width driving band, you know, and then the, the wide flat nose on them. Yep. And, uh, and Jim kind of talks about that too. He said, you know, when you, when you, when you have to shoot something, you want it to bleed, you want to make a full diameter hole through it. And he was talking about, um, you know, like hollow point bullets opening up and you now the first two inches of the wound cavity, you're fine. Nice, nasty. And then once it opens up and rounds off, it just becomes an oversized round nose. And, uh, he was saying that if you talk to, you know, like medical examiners and stuff, they tell you they couldn't tell the difference between somebody shot with a round nose 9mm and a round nose 45 ACP because it just pushes flesh aside. It's not actually displacing it. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, on, Jim, as... Jim Cirillo used real world stuff, you know, for a lot of his testing, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of morgue reports, you know, he he had been in countless shootings. I mean, that man's got a huge track record. And like Masada yeah. said, they're not war stories. They come straight from his, uh, his, his boss, you know, they're all real. Right. Yeah. You know, and I, I thought it was interesting. He talked about in that book about, um, you know, these trying to design self-defense bullets that open up to a, to a full flat, you know, they don't, they don't round off. They just open up flat. And like I was talking about the Hornady Critical Duty, if you've ever shot those into ballistic gelatin or, you know, any of the really good, like the Remington Golden Saber, but the, I think the Hornady uh, Flex Tips are the most noticeable. They open up flat. They are, uh, uh, and they're very effective. I've shot, um, I dropped the biggest bull I've ever seen in my life with a 225 grain Hornady uh, Flex uh, uh, Critical Duty out of a, out of a 45 ACP. And it did it did its job very well, you know. A single shot, I had time to get one shot off, and it it did the job. 
Yeah, and, but unlike the Hornady ammunition, the flex tip bullet is actually a really good bullet. It really is. It it really is. So so here's my take on you know I shoot a lot of big bore revolvers, and so my bullets are starting out big anyway. I like a hard, you know, a fairly hard. Like if it expands a little bit, that's fine. But I don't really want it to to completely mushroom out. I like a like my 44 mags, 41 mag, even 357. Or, and even my big, like, 4570, my big rifle and stuff, I like a hard, already wide, flat-nosed bullet that, you know, that, that flat nose is pushing and displacing as it goes through. And right. like I was saying, Elmer Keith talks about his bullets being the best design, and I haven't ever really shot a whole lot of game with the Elmer Keith bullets. I've always been a fan uh, like well, you you've seen pictures of what I shoot my forty five and my, I shoot the traditional three hundred grain round flats, you know, because they feed really well on a lever gun. And I've that's always been kind of my go to bullet design. I like the wide flat. Uh, I like a, at least a seventy percent meat plate. I find that to be, you know, the meat plate, the flat part on the top of. I like at least seventy percent of the bullet diameter to be flat. Right, and then, uh. Yeah, you know, and I've I've had really good luck. I'll tell you a story. I've you know I've been I've done quite a, you know I'm not that old, but I've done a fair amount of big game hunting. I've seen some big animals come down, some big bison, some big moose. I've only seen one gun that dropped the moose in its track, not once, but three times in a row. Um, oh, yeah. and that. That was a Winchester Model 86 and 50 Alaskan shooting a 510 grain wide flat nose bullet. And uh, that, I'm not going to say that moose didn't get back up because it did. But every time we shot it with that 50 Alaskan, it dropped on his nose. Damn. Um, and you, 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 you it's, it's, it sounded like so, like, you know, when you, if, when you, when you clap your hands and you get that, sometimes you get that really good high pitched max. That's exactly what it sounded like when those bullets hit that animal. You could, you could hear it even out there at 150 yards. Smack. And he, he just, he'd face plant. That's the <laughs> only thing. And I saw the same thing happen with a, with a big old bison in Montana with that same rifle. My dad has that rifle, that same, same rifle, same load, 510 grain wide flat nose. Just dropped that bison. He stayed down. That bison, but yeah, just the the smack of those big, wide, flat nose bullets traveling at that speed. This this year, uh, I killed a uh, six point buck out in East Tennessee with a seven and a half inch barrel Ruger Blackhawk forty five Colt with a Buffalo Bore forty five Outdoorsman with the two hundred and fifty five grain Keiths in it. Man, it uh, then things hit hard. Uh, it it looked a lot like a 44 magnum but a little more it it hit really hard and i uh i couldn't even find the bullet it went all the way through it and stuck in a tree behind it but it was one shot and it went down i didn't even have to track it yeah it you know down. yeah i've um and that's what i like a i like bullets that already start out wide and flat that's and that's one of the extra reasons you know i've always felt yeah yeah i mean i can I can shoot a nine millimeter critical duty and it'll expand to 0. 0.45 inches and make a good, you know, it'll expand to that nice flat, you know, uh, tissue displacing uh, flat expanded bullet. Or I can throw the 44 Magnum that's already there and it doesn't have to expand, you know? Yeah, it's already. Or, or even a 45 
you know, my, my 45 ACP loads are, you know, if you ever look at the Buffalo Outdoors, oh, there's, it's a wide, flat nose, and that, that's the, the, my hand loads for the 45 ACP. They're the same thing. They're 250, 255 grain wide, flat nose. And, yeah, they, they don't have to expand. They're, they're already flat on the front. That's kind of why I was always disappointed the 50 GI didn't take off. I felt like that on the Glock 21 platform and the 1911 platform, and if Smith & Wesson would have made an M&P for it, I thought that would have been like the ideal street cartridge, you know, a 50 caliber, 250 grain jacketed hollow point at, say, 750 to 800 feet a second. I mean, what's not to like? Yeah, like 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 I said, you know, I didn't uh, you know, I never really – I've, I've known that certain designs work better than others, but I'd never really thought about expanding, full of, expanding, over-expanding to where they round off on the front, just working like a big round nose. I'd never really thought about that until I was reading this book here last night. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a very good, uh, it's a very good process, and, and it makes a lot of sense. You know, I've shot enough stuff, and I've had seen better results from wide, flat nose bullets that that are hard and they don't expand. You know, right. Um, so, um, I think, I think we pretty much well-rounded that subject. Uh, my friend Troy had mentioned to me this week about big bore automatics versus big bore revolvers. What are your thoughts know, on that? You were just, you just mentioned the 50 GI and I thought that was the perfect, I was just going to round right off into there. That sounds like just the way to get into our next subject, which is the big bore handguns auto versus revolver. Um, what are the big bore semi-autos that are out there? When we, and when we're talking true big bore, we're talking, we're not talking about 45 ACP. We're talking about the, the high horsepower. What do we have? Okay. Pretty much all you got. If you're rich, you can get the LAR Grizzly 45 Winchester automatic, which is a fabulous handgun. You can get yeah. the auto mag 44 auto mag. You can get yeah. any of the AMT auto mags and everything, you know, from 44 auto mag on up to 50 AE. You got the desert Eagles in 41 Magnum 357, 44 and 50 AE. Yeah. You have the 50 GI on the Glock 21 and the 1911 platform. You have the 460 Roland. You have, I don't know if you call 45 Super, uh, a, you know, it's getting there, but I, the 460 rolling is true. Yeah, I've got let's, a 45. Let's throw, let's, let, let's throw 10 millimeter in it, too, because everybody that buys a Glock 20 thinks they own an elephant gun. So, you know, we'll throw the Ruger, the Glock 20 in there. We'll throw the uh, Colt Delta Elite 10 millimeter in there and the, my favorite, the Smith & Wesson 10 006 10 mil in there for good measure. But that's about yeah. all the only semi-auto big bores I can really think of that aren't obscure. Yeah. So, you know, like any of the auto mags, you're talking about the auto mags and a lot of those, those guns have gotten, they're expensive and they can be hard to find. So I, in, in my opinion, here's... And they typically don't work, so... Yeah, so here's here's the, the, the ones that... I, I don't have enough experience with those to say if they work or not, but with the guns that we that, that we still see a lot of, we still see a lot of 10 millimeter. We've got 1911 10 millimeter, just about every... Major manufacturer offers a 10 millimeter sometime or another. Um, and with this, that's a little bit of a pet peeve to me, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, we're just going to bring it up 10 millimeter. We got the 460 Roland, which, you know, we can convert almost any 45 ACP into a 460 Roland. Yeah, like and then, XDs, 1911s, Glock 21. I don't think mm-hmm. you can do the M&P yet. I think there is a conversion for the M&P, actually. 
Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I was actually, uh, since we're on the, I was actually playing with a 1911 and 460 rolling today a little bit. And then we have the Desert Eagles. We have the Desert Eagles. They make it, in, uh, like you said, 357. I think they, I don't think they still do, but they did make it in 41 Magnum. That should give you, that should get you a nice hard on. Uh, oh, 44 yeah. Magnum and 50, and, and then 50 AE. And, you know, just to throw this out there, I'm not one of the guys that think the Desert Eagle is a novelty per se, but for its size and its power level, I think it's about pointless, especially for the price, because for the price of a Desert Eagle that will never be as reliable as a big bore revolver, you can literally, for the price of 150 AE Desert Eagle, you can buy one Ruger Bisley 454 Casul and one Ruger Bisley 480 Ruger and do anything anywhere on this planet with it with it yeah so let's just let's just start here on uh, let's talk about the desert eagles for a second you know one of the skinniest smallest guys i know this a local guy to me friend of mine when i was a kid guy's probably five foot five five foot six and maybe a buck ten soaking wet he daily carries a desert eagle 44 magnum and a shoulder holster right on and he yeah, he and he wears a he, he wears a trench coat to be able to hide the damn thing. Um, but let's let's talk about let's talk let's talk about the the, the Desert Eagles here a little bit. What's the magazine capacity on a Desert Eagle forty four? It's eight rounds, eight plus one. Yeah, I think it's eight plus one. I mean, I think the fifty AE is seven plus one. So we're not gaining that much magazine capacity over say a nineteen eleven and four sixty Roland, and we're doubling the size of the gun i mean a desert eagle is huge it's not you know everybody though i can't carry a four inch model 29 it's too big to carry dur, 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 you know and i it, yeah you don't if you're not going to carry a model 29 you're not going to carry a red hawk flats no plain and simple right, i'm sorry nope. not a red hawk De- desert eagle if you're not going to carry a model 29 you're not going to carry a desert eagle end of story nope not happening um and then my experience with the Desert Eagles, I've played with them in full uh, 44 Magnum and uh, 50 AE. Um, it's, it's a semi-automatic handgun. They they don't, and they're 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 very open semi-automatic handguns. They get dirty, and they do not work very well dirty. Nope. So yeah, my my opinion. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, my opinion is the the, the Desert Eagle a hundred percent. It is a novelty item. It is it is in it. It's a cool gun. They are fun to shoot, but it is a novelty item. You'll you're not going to see the majority of people that that really you know, you know live and breathe big big bore revolvers. They're not going to go out carrying a uh, a Desert Eagle. It's just it's not practical. You probably won't see one on the firing line at Thunder Ranch. No, it, it's it's it, they are cool guns. They're fun to shoot, um, but it, it is, in my opinion, hundred percent. It's a novelty thing, you know. They're when they first came out, they were big and expensive, and I was like, oh, they're so cool. I gotta have. Them. They're not, you know, relatively. The price hasn't really gone up on them in the last twenty years. They're still fifteen hundred bucks, you know. And they're so comparatively compared to all the other guns, they're not that expensive anymore. And they're yeah, they're just they're cool and they're fun, but they're not. I wouldn't take one into bear country. Absolutely not. Um, as a matter of fact, I would go far as I think that you can probably work a double action revolver faster than a Desert Eagle anyway because they, they the cycle time on them is fairly slow. Yeah, I shot a 50 AE years ago, and that's the one thing I noticed about it is it feels like they recoil forever. And uh, 
yeah, they cycle they have, super slow. I guess because they're gas operated and all, yep. just the nature of them. They probably have to cycle slow or else they'll probably tear themselves up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the other thing with the with the Desert Eagles that they got it, you know, it's got a big heavy slide bolt on it. So you actually get reversed, you know, when, when so you get your recoil from the initial shot, which, like you said, it, it seems like it's this horrendous long travel recoil you on those. You actually get three right? recoils. You get the initial shot, the slide, the big heavy slide slamming back, and then the slide then, slamming forward. <laughs> which is why I think you can get follow-up shots off better with a 40 with a double action because that that slide you know the sight dip when that when that slide comes back forward on a desert eagle and that front sight dips it dips down considerably there is a substantial amount of slide slap when those things lock back in and yes your sight so you then you have to wait for that sight to come back up into your line of sight to get your sight picture for your next shot um they're not they're not a speed gun no they're they're cool they're fun but they are not they're not very practical. And, and let's touch on something a more uh, approachable and more obtainable pair to compare for most people. Let's compare a 10 millimeter handgun, whether it's a Glock 2020 or Glock thir- uh, 29 or, you know, a Delta Elite or, you know, any other 1911 variant in 10 millimeter versus, say, uh, you know, a 629 or Ruger Super Blackhawk 44 Magnum. You know, what are you gaining? What are you losing? Mm. You know, the uh, the 10 millimeter is a little bit of a pet peeve to me, not because it's a bad cartridge, but because, like you said, everybody that has a Glock Model 21 or 20 or whatever the heck the Glock 10 millimeter is, or any, 20, anybody that's 20. got a 10 millimeter. They, They've get they think they've got this great big freaking elephant killer, you know. They, they they think they got a nuclear bomb at their fingertips, and it's not. It's still, it's you know they go oh, it's a it, it's a forty four mag killer. No, it's not. You know a ten millimeter shoots what two hundred grain bullet at fifteen hundred foot per second. Forty four mag will shoot a two hundred and forty grain bullet at fifteen hundred foot per second. And then what the thing with the forty fours is. As you have the option to go all the way up to a 350 grain bullet in factory ammunition, the 10 millimeter does not even come close to being a 44 mag. And it's a pet peeve when everybody tells me, "Oh, the 10 millimeter is just as good as your 44 mag," because it it's not anywhere close. But it's not to say that it's not a good caliber. You know, you get a substantial amount of horsepower and magazine capacity in a 10 millimeter. You know what's a Glock? A Glock 10 millimeter hold 15 rounds yeah, plus one. 15 plus one. Yeah, you know, in a 1911, you're probably going to be a 10 plus. I mean, that's a considerable amount of tie fire firepower. You know, I I consider to be the 10 a 10 millimeter with a good with a solid 200 or even a 200. I think there's a 225 grain load with like a buffalo bore. You know, a wide flat nose hard cast bullet. I think the 10 millimeter is a reasonable choice for taking in the bear country. It's you know, especially you know, they, if you want that, if you feel comfortable having a magazine capacity over over horsepower, a ten millimeter is a great option. But here's my beef: if you're going to buy that Glock 20 that uses all that expensive ammunition, why not just buy a Glock 2145 that uses cheap to shoot ammunition that you can buy all the heavy Buffalo Bore Outdoorsman and Plus B Plus loads for that gets you right to the ten millimeter power level with a bigger bullet with more cross section cross-sectional density 
Yeah, that's 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 the same. I'm not really a ten millimeter fan. It's a good gun and it's it's a good cartridge, but I prefer a little bit better bullet. So that gets us into the forty five calibers. Um so like you just mentioned the, the Buffalo Bore outdoorsman. You know, that's that that Buffalo Bore two hundred and fifty five grand, what do they advertise that? I mean uh it's like a thousand feet like a second. I think it's nine hundred and fifty five. Buffalo four forty five outdoors outdoorsman 45 acp google buffalo bore it's really nice having internet now where i can use a computer and google stuff while we talk later on the show nice they nine 925 foot per second not bad yeah so we're talking 250 grain at 925 foot per second um yeah and that's that's from a five inch uh they claim a five-inch gold uh, Colt Gold Cup. So this is a standard, you know, this is a standard 1911. Nothing special. Um, my hand loads are a little bit hotter than that, but I would go as far as to call that. A, I would actually call it a 45 super because I put um, extra power springs in my in my guns. Uh, let's see what the Buffalo Bore 45 super load is. 45 super. And that's the thing about the 45 Super is it's still actually just a standard 45 ACP case loaded hotter. You can convert almost any 45 ACP into a 40, you know, a 45 Super with a spring kit, you know, for 25 bucks. Right. Now, and yeah, here they got a, this is a 45 Super that this is their factory 45 Super, that same 255 grain hard cast at. 1075 and that's a that's about what mine is today i think mine's running about 1050 so to answer my friend troy's question um big bore automatics are either really not big bores at all or they are complete novelties so there are only big bore revolvers and i know personally where he lives and where are the kind of places he's going to go and what he's going to use a gun for and how much he's actually going to shoot it and i'm going to give him three options and you can give him three options. So my three options for what you would need would be, you know, starting on the low end spectrum of affordable, get yourself a Ruger Blackhawk, either a four and five eighths or a six and a half inch barrel and 41 Magnum, or buy you a Ruger Blackhawk, four and five eighths or seven and a half inch 45 Colt, because the Blackhawk is the original big frame. You can put all the really heavy, uh, loads like from buffalo born underwood that far surpass a 44 magnum uh you or you could step up to if you want a double action go to either a smith and wesson 629 in a four or a six inch barrel 44 magnum or a superb ruger red hawk 44 magnum uh what are some other three options that aren't those that give him would give him some you know a little bit of variety you know um if I if I was gonna wreck it, if somebody asked me about what what big bore revolver or this big bore big bore handgun you'd recommend for me, um, if especially and this is coming from a hand loader's perspective, if you really wanted a a semi auto, I would tell you to build uh, a thirty eight and I call it a thirty eight super plus P and I'll tell you why. Okay, now you're um, getting into my territory. I love 38 Supers. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not th- a 45 Super oh. plus P. I'm sorry. Not 38. <laughs> 45, 45 Super plus P. Because, and here's why. Uh, you know, I'm a tight wad. 
So let's say we buy a thousand dollar. Let's just say we go buy a uh, a Ruger nineteen eleven, you know, seven hundred and fifty bucks, right? Or even a five hundred and fifty dollar uh, Springfield Defender Series five inch nineteen eleven. Yeah, sure, whatever. Just nineteen eleven, you know, five hundred to a thousand bucks. Now you're gonna put another five hundred bucks into converting that thing to four four sixty Roland. Right, and that is with any, you know, a Glock, uh, M and P, FNX forty five. I love FNX forty five. Honestly, if you were going to build a four sixty Roland, no, FNX forty five is what I would build it on because fifteen plus one four sixty Roland. That is insane amount of horsepower in your right. hand. Um, now nineteen elevens. Make sure you buy one with a forged frame. If you're going to convert it to a 460 Roland, that's just my opinion. No yeah. Cash and, no Rock Islands. Yeah. And um, you will, yeah, the 460 Roland's cool, but you're going to spend five to 600 bucks on the conversion kit, depending on who you go through. You know, Clark, the one I was playing with today was a Clark conversion on a Remington R1 1911. And it's cool. It is cool. It is fun. But here's, and here's what I have I've got a, a Colt Combat Commander in 45 ACP that has a 5-inch threaded barrel put in it. And I've got a compensator threaded on that. I've got a spring kit in there, and I've got all the firing pin upgrades to handle the extra recoil. It is a 45 Super, but I put the even heavier springs and the compensator of the 460 Roland on it. And... I hand load 45 supers to the pressure of the 460 Roland using 460 Roland data. And here, well, it's a 45 super. What When you talk about 45 ACP, 1911, 460 Roland, you're still limited to the magazine. You cannot load longer. You're not gaining any case capacity by going to the 460 Roland case. You're gaining a longer case, so they won't chamber in a 45 ACP, but you're not gaining any capacity. Right. So I am spending a buck, a buck fifty a piece on brass, and it's probably not that much. I'm I'm, I'm exaggerating. Twenty five cents a piece. You know, we're we're spending twenty five cents a piece or more. It might might be a little higher than that on brass. That you're probably going to lose after one, maybe two shots, because the four sixty roll and ejects them off into God knows where, especially in the snow. I think I found some in my backyard. You were shooting last week. Yeah, and you know here. I can find I I I don't think I ever bought forty five ACP brass. You know I pick it up in trades. I get it here and there. I, I pick it up off the ground at the range. Um, so here's what I do. That they they say that the that the rolling cases are a little bit stronger than the standard forty five ACP case. Well, you know what else is just a bit stronger than a standard forty five ACP case? All of this new and anybody that loads forty five ACP knows what I'm talking about. All this new brass where they went to using a small pistol primer in 45 ACP. Why they yep. did that, I don't know. I don't know why they did that. It's a pain in the butt when you're loading 45 ACP. But that small pistol, the small primer brass is stronger. And that is what I, and it makes it very easy to distinguish my loads from my standard 45 ACP loads to my 45 Super Plus P's, you know, 460 Roland level loads because i can look at the bottom of the case okay they're small primers these are 460s or you know whatever whatever you want to call it whatever you want to call we'll call it the 45 congo you know and that that's what i have and i like it a lot 
Um, it, the recoil uh, with that compensator on there isn't really that much worse than shooting a standard 45 ACP, and it's a lot of it's a lot of firepower. My my hand load shoots a 255 grain that 255 grain hard cast at just over 1300 foot per second. Ooh, that's smoking. Yeah, and I'm doing it um on a hundred and fifty dollars worth of parts versus a five hundred dollar parts, you know. And I'm doing it uh shooting brass that I get for free and not having to buy thirty cent a piece pieces of brass every time I shoot it. Right. Now what are what are so, two other options you would lump in with that? Yeah. So if I was gonna yeah so if I for an auto the forty five the four the four sixty Roland is a good option if you have the money. The forty five, the forty five super loaded like the Roland is another great option if you want to auto. Um, I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him a double action option and I'm gonna give him a single action option. I would go with, a, I just tell him a four inch model twenty nine. There's, you can't, you know, for a general packing mountain gun scenario, like pretty much everything. Uh, a four inch model twenty nine or even better, a six twenty nine stainless. You can't really beat a good double action 44 mag and this and smith makes a really good one they're a lot more petite they're more compact they're lighter than the ruger red hawks i love the red hawks but i carry a model 29 uh and i like it it's it's, it's so much easier to carry and if you wanted a true big boy revolver i would tell you to go get yourself a single action ruger in 480 480 is good. And I'm going to throw one more option out there. You know, Smith & Wesson's making the classic series revolvers again where you can get a blued 29 and stuff. Check out the Model 25. If you can find one with a six and a half inch barrel, that's an in-frame 45 Colt. And you can load some fairly warm loads in those. You know, a good 1,200 feet a second 45 Colt load, which is more than enough for Grizzly and things like that. And the recoil is a lot less. It's more like shooting a 44 Magnum at 44 Specials. But I have found that the Model 2545 Colts are some of the most accurate Smith & Wesson revolvers. I don't know if it's the twist rate and the barrel and the size and the low recoil and the inherently accurate 45 Colt cartridge, but they are just total shooters, and that's a gun I think you would really enjoy shooting. Yeah. You know, when, when I when I recommend – you know, I live in Alaska. When people ask me about big four guns, they're looking for something that's going to be relatively easy to carry. Um. And so for that reason, I like, I recommend a, a four inch or I like five inch barrels, but four inch barrels is, is, is going to be easy to carry. It's just like my, my 45 build, my, my super build is a built on a combat commander with a compensator on it. So that the overall size is the size of a standard five inch 1911. One advantage for Troy is he's tall, just like you. He's about your same height. So he can right. probably get away with a, you know, a, I'm not that tall. I'm six foot with boots on. So, you know, four and five inches getting kind of, you know, that's kind of where it's at for a belt gun for me. But, you know, right. him, him and you, you guys, you could probably pull off a six, six and a half, maybe. Yeah, I, uh, that's, that's that, that single action Ruger. I'm on, I'm on the internet here right now. I believe they only offer that. 480 Ruger single action with a six and a half inch barrel. Actually, if you go to Lipsy's, the Lipsy's exclusive comes in a stainless four and five eighths configuration. Oh, there you go. There you, there go. you go. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking there was a shorter version somewhere, but all the ones I'm seeing online right now are 
or six and a half. But I, I, I think you're right. I think there is a four and five eighths out there somewhere. Yeah, it's a Lipsy um, exclusive that Ruger makes for them. They're on the Lipsy's website. Yeah. You'll have to go to Lipsy's. All right, Nick. Well, I think we need to start getting this show wrapped up. We're sitting at just over an hour, and I need to finish trying to get some more flooring done tonight. I would like to thank, take a second to thank all of our listeners. Uh, our last episode had more listeners in the first 24 hours than any of our other episodes have had in, in life views, uh, life lessons. So I'm, I really appreciate everybody taking time out of their day to listen to our uh, mediocre show. Yeah, I, I really appreciate it too. It makes me feel like I've actually done something with my time, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I do this show hundred percent. I enjoy talking guns. Nick and I are on the phone a couple times a day, sometimes talking guns anyway. So it gives us a chance just to sit here and, and BS about guns and, you know, people, when I, when I first started the podcast, it was, yes, yeah, if people listen, cool. If they don't, cool. I'm just, I'm just doing it for fun. And it, 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 um, it makes me feel good to, to see that people are actually listening to it. And anytime you guys have any ideas, you know, you have a, t- a topic you'd like for us to discuss on the show, send us a message on Facebook, send us an email. Uh, if you have, have ideas on how to make the show better, let us know. You know, anything that we can do to make the show better for our listeners, that's, we're here for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm all in on that. I mean, Unless, you know, you want me to go buy another Taurus, I'm not going to do that. But, you know, I'll do most anything else. Yeah, and I don't think I'm going to try shooting 76 grains of powder out of my 458 Win Mag either because 75 is all I can fit in the case. So, yeah, yeah don't try to tell me. Don't tell me. Don't ask me how much hotter I can load. When I when I talk about my hand loads, you need to uh, – anytime I mention any kind of load data on this show, take take anything I mention with a grain of salt. I've been reloading for 20 years. Uh and I like to push things. They, uh, stick, stick to the book loads. So one thing I would like to mention before we get off, you know, you're talking about 45 Super. I've kind of gotten curious about it. You know, I don't think 45 Super is all that hard on a gun. So I was thinking maybe we could buy a couple of high point JCP 45s and load 45 Super for them and see how much it takes to break them. Like one of us will shoot it with nothing but 45 ACP. There, guy shoots it with 45 supers. And see how long before the slide snaps in half. Wouldn't be very. Hey, expensive. you know, some of the some of the high points I've seen, you could just, I'd just take a rock and hammer some 460 Rollins in there and start shooting it. There you go. There you go. That could be a so. possibility. All right, everybody. Well, we do appreciate everybody taking the time to listen to the show. We're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Thanks, uh, Nick. Thanks for being here with me tonight. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate everybody listening.